Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how the hell are you? Metcalf, I'm good. Um, me and you have talked about this before, but Thursday is definitely my favorite day to record pods because, you know, Friday's tomorrow. I'm still like, my heart rate hasn't dropped throughout the entire Celtics <laughs> net series. So that game last night, I'm, I'm shocked I didn't get thrown out of my um, apartment because I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. But I'm pulling for your T-Wolves tonight. How are we feeling? I, sh- yeah, shout out to Metcalf, everyone listening. Like, this guy is recording pods while being an absolute basket case for T-Wolves basketball. So are we feeling better about um, tonight? Do you think the home crowd is going to be howling? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what the home crowd is like because I think it's going to be an absolute zoo. Um, yeah. I, they were wild in the playing game, and now the fact that – you know, we we are in the actual playoffs, uh, the games that actually matter um, for the first time in a very long time with a team that you know can actually perform, um, or at least hopefully perform, going up against you know one of the other most exciting young athletic teams in the league who talks a whole lot of shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I wish I was there. Unfortunately, I cannot make it, but um, I'm really excited. Um, you know, we stole stole a game away yeah. in memphis mission accomplished if they can just split this um homestand you know I, I think that's really good i'm excited to see how they counter because i expect stephen adams to play very few minutes um which is a shame i think that he's you know he's proven to be a lo- loyal soldier for them i think he should play the full 48 but you know that's just me talking uh completely unbiased but yeah i'm, I'm really excited and it should be a fun one but more importantly we we, we talked nba playoffs more on tuesday uh so if you missed that make sure to go check that out and we kind of dove into how some of the young guys are performing in the playoffs but for today's episode we wanted to pivot back to this year's draft and we're doing a little bit of a mix-up on the mock draft um instead of going back and forth or just compiling one or doing one on the fly we both did one ahead of time just using the current standings uh, listed on Tankathon, and we're just going to go through a mock draft peer review. So we're going to tear each other's apart. We're going to say what we loved, what we didn't like, questions, all of that. And to keep this from being an 
eight hour podcast. Um, we're just going to kind of chunk it up by about five picks at a time and go from there. So with the, the first five picks are the Rockets, Magic, Pistons, Thunder, and Pacers. And I went with Chet Holmgren at one, Jabari Smith at two, Paolo at three to the Pistons, Shaden Sharp at four to the Thunder, and Jaden Ivey at five to the Pacers. Rucker, you went with Chet Holmgren again at number one, Paolo at number two to the Magic, Jabari Smith at three to the Pistons, your boy Keegan Murray at four to Oklahoma City, and Jaden Ivey at five to the Pacers. So with those first five picks, we had, you know, almost identical players, a a little bit of a shift in um, where we had them going, but is there any, what, what really stood out to you with those first five picks? Yeah. I mean, I was excited to do this for everyone listening. Um, I kind of threw this curveball at Metcalf. I was like, Hey, I got an idea for a a mock draft and it's going to get a little crazy. So bear with me. But um, I believe I heard something similar when I was listening to um, the Rosillo, Ryan Rosillo show, they were talking about the NFL draft and they were comparing two mock drafts. And I was like, Metcalf, let's do this for the, for the NBA. This would be a fun little wrinkle. And um, it's funny. Like, so what me and Metcalf did was like Metcalf did his own. I did my own. We shared them pretty much what two hours before we recorded yeah, but- and we haven't even talked about it. So this is why it's going to be fun. Cause we're going to be just kind of, you know, ripping each other apart or saying what we love. And it's funny, once I started looking at yours, I was like, wow, we had a lot more similarities and with some picks than I was expecting. And I actually like, I liked yours a lot more, but I just got a little bit, um, I got a little out there. I think, you know, me and you had pretty much the same three guys in a different order in the top three. So, um, you know, every that's going to be the next couple of months. Spoiler alert, everyone. We're, we're going to probably go back and forth each day. Like if I wake up tomorrow, I might have a different order of those top three. I think the sharp at four thing is like the thunder at four. You could argue that that's going to be where the quote draft starts. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously this is, we still got to get through the lottery and get a finalized order, which then after that, we'll probably do 900 mock drafts. But I feel like if, if OKC missed the top three and someone doesn't leap up there that potentially takes a guard, say someone leaped up there and took Jaden Ivey and then missed, you know, kind of throws a curveball for the whole thing. If, if the top three go and OKC's on the board, I've really, you know, with Sharp declaring officially today, um, officially, I guess he, he's, he is eligible. Um, where are you thinking? Are, are, do you think that is a, so I went Keegan there yeah. Um, because I'm still convinced that Presti's going to be like, Hey, we need to get some front court guys. We need to start pushing the needle forward. I, I feel like Presti's going to be like, okay, enough of these swinging for the home runs. I need to get a guy that's like going to help my backcourt. Now I get sharp. Um, I understand the upside is, is absolutely unreal, but I'm wondering like, is this potentially Presti thinking like, Hey, I had all these picks, but this might be the last time I'm really up there. Um, and, and everyone listening is like, well, that's why you would take sharp. But I, I still think like he might be a ways away. Um, and, and I just, I put Keegan there at four. I know that might be a little rich for some people's taste, but I could really see Presti being like, Hey, I got Giddy. I got SGA. We got Trey Mann, who's looking like something. We got a lot of pieces in the backcourt and on the wings. I need something down low. I I need some front court depth. And and if you get Keegan in there, 
yeah, his upside might not be as high as everyone's, but um, he might be a, a heck of a piece for the Thunder moving forward that you groom with all those guys. So I know it's a little rich, but when you put Sharp there, I was like, whoa, Metcalf, all right, let's go. Like, you're, you're buying in. Do you Would you see OKC going that way? Do you think Presti would be like, hey, give me the upside? Yes, yeah, so and with the you know with, with the top five pick, I think even you know I, it gets tricky because I think that's kind of the range where I, you really have to just take these huge swings to get a potential superstar, right? And I, I, I definitely get what you're saying by you know adding guys who can actually contribute to winning now because you can't just keep losing every game forever and ever and ever. Um, I, maybe you could, but I, you know, I, I don't think that's a, a legitimate long-term strategy to attract talent. So, you know, at four, I think that's the spot where you really take that home run swing. And it's tough because Jade and Ivy there wouldn't surprise me. Um, but for me, I just, a, a clerical, um, thing, Rucker and I both did these, mock drafts on what we would do not necessarily right, what right, we right. think That's will right. happen yes. but yes. you know just clarification um so if i'm the thunder and i'm sitting there and i see this freak athlete who has some legitimate shooting capabilities some real interesting on-ball stuff and i think could be an all-star shooting guard or small forward to pair along with josh giddy trey mann SGA, you know, everyone else, every other young piece on that roster, that's the home run swing I'm taking at four. And then I'm looking to just add quality rotation players at 12 and, you know, with all of their other 18,000 picks. Um, because like you said, these young players are going to start maturing really quickly and they're either going to phase out of the league or turn into legitimate contributors who in theory should produce more winning basketball. So these top five picks, if you're just taking these guys who are really good players, like I like Keegan Murray a lot. Um, and he's more of the known obviously than sharp, but if you take him, I think he's one of these guys that elevates you to, you know, the eight to 14 pick range. And then are you, how are you really leaping out of that into the playoffs and how are you really elevating after there? Because it's certainly not going to be in free agency. Um, and if your odds are that low for multiple years, it's, you just kind of get stuck in the mud. So I, I think sharp for them is the biggest home run swing with the biggest, you know, biggest potential ROI for them at that spot. So that's why I leaned him um, instead of someone like Murray, but uh, a, a little curveball I wanted to throw at you is what if though that top three isn't how we have it? Right. So no. I, yeah. This is exactly so, what I wanted to do. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, we, we both obviously have Chet Jabari Paolo. They've been our top three pretty much the entire season, um, I believe. But given all the rumors that surrounded the Pistons last year and how much Troy Weaver loved Jalen Green, I think Jaden Ivey is a pretty similar player. Would it shock you if Jaden Ivey went to Detroit instead of Paolo or Jabari or Chet or, you know, whichever one of those three falls to them? No. Yeah. I think this is exactly where I wanted you to go with this because, you know, Thunder fans listening, we, we didn't bring up Ivy, but I wanted to bring this up real quick. I wanted to clear the air. I think me and Metcalf are in the position. Like, you know, we made these mocks as like what we would do. 
obviously Ivy would be probably the best player on the board if if the top three went out, as we said. Um, but I just think that fit, like if I was if I was Sam Presti, theoretically, I would be, and those top three guys went, I would be ringing the dinner bell. Like, who wants Jaden Ivy? Come get him. Because I would say all we want, maybe Portland's in love with them, and, and they want to go up two spots to get him. Um, or someone jumps in the lottery and they need Ivy, so they want to trade with OKC, and they go back two or three spots, get their guy. That's the dream. But I don't want to add Ivy to Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, uh SGA like that is a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands. It's tough. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's going to be really ugly to figure out. So that's just, I'm making this mock. I want to put this out there. This disclaimer, we're making this mock thinking like, Hey, let's not create a headache for Thunder fans. It'd be very exciting to have Ivy. Um, we get it. And maybe Presty says, screw it. Just we're playing four point guards. I don't care. Um, but to answer your question, I think Troy Weaver's the guy that would do it. I, yeah. I think if, um, it went Chet Paulo or Chet Jabari. I think Weaver would be the guy that says, no, I want Jaden Ivey. This is exactly the mentality. I want his mentality with Cade Cunningham running the backcourt for years to come. Um, Cause Troy, Weaver's not afraid. I mean, no. and he, he will take intangibles and mindset. Now I'm not saying those other three guys have it, but I, I got to number three with the Pistons and I was like, this like the Jaden Ivy chill went up my spine. I was like, this could be where it happens. Cause you know, the top prospects are centers or forwards. If you need a guard and you really think a guard could help your team take the next step forward, Jaden Ivy is probably going to be the number one guard. Um, so I, I, I do think that's a realistic possibility with, with how everything plays out. Um, what about you? Do you, would you buy Detroit potentially taking it? Yeah, and it, it would it'd be a really interesting bet. Like whenever you know prop bet odds yeah, or whatever right. come out, I you know it'd be like, ooh, that that one's tempting. Um, and I I don't hate the fit either because I think playing alongside Cade, where you know he would still probably be more of an off ball guard, which you know long term I think he's better suited for. But then with the second unit or even playing off or, you know, then he can't, there are still a lot of opportunities for him to get that on ball development and potentially see, okay, is this guy actually going to be a point guard or is he a shooting guard? Like, what is he? And I think that balance of having Kate proven to be that, that dude, um, I think that'd be just a nice transition for him and add a lot of athleticism to that lineup that they desperately need. So, I I don't think I would do it because I still just have those top three guys and just a separate tier as like best player available. And I think when you're picking top five and, you know, honestly, for most of the draft, you should just go best player available. But from a fit standpoint, from, you know, all the rumors and speculation that came out last year on what Troy Weaver actually wanted and that maybe he just got kind of talked into or forced into taking Cade um it it wouldn't surprise me if Ivy was their pick and then if that happens at three that blows up everything and what happens after that I think would be absolutely fascinating yeah I I think if let's say Ivy went three and and Presti's on the board with OKC I I think he's just saying all right whoever fell I'm taking them like I still think that would 
Um, even if it's Jabari, like, yes, I, I think he would jump at that opportunity to just be like, yep, we got him. And I think Thunder fans would probably agree, like, yeah, jump all over that. It's going to be interesting, um, it's, especially like the lottery this year, because this is this draft is shaping up to be like the most dependent on the lottery. Like when wherever the order goes, then we're going to be all sitting here like, OK, we got an idea now. And, and it's still going to be debating Chad or Jabari or Paulo. But Ivy, I, I still think like last year, I was not comfortable doing all of my mocks because I've joked about this. Like with Toronto, every time I got to it, I was like you know, Masai would take Scotty Barnes. He's going to fall in love with him. I was just like, everyone's thinking he's going to go past Toronto. I, I could see him taking him because everyone was like, oh, Jalen Suggs to Toronto. It's perfect. But I was like, this is literally a Raptor pick is is taking Scotty. I'm getting that vibe. If Detroit's on the clock with, um, you know, the third or the third pick and AFJ and Ivy's there, I, I could see it happening. So, All right, well, let's move on to – six through 10. So with the sixth pick, uh, we both had the Portland trailblazers taking Johnny Davis mm-hmm. at seven. I had AJ Griffin. You had Shaden sharp at eight. Uh, the Pelicans, I had Keegan Murray. You had Benedict Matherin at, at nine, the San Antonio Spurs. I had taking Jalen Duran and as did you. And at 10, the Washington wizards, I had taking Dyson Daniels and you had taking AJ Griffin. Uh, the, the one place I just want to touch on quickly is, I'm very proud of you for having Johnny Davis still go in the top six. Um, you, I'm, I'm telling I'm, you, I'm your boy. Come on now, Metcalf. I'm still I, on that train. I, I, I see everyone abandoning sh- the Johnny Davis ship. Um, you, you know, just just hopping on their boats, leaving Johnny Davis Island, and it's shameful. Um, I, you mentioned that earlier that Ivy would probably be the best guard. Um, I disagree. I still think I Johnny Davis is you. that guy. I tried, um, oh, I tried no, to nope, slip it. Nope. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I'm, too, I'm too quick for you. Um, but just from a fit standpoint and a talent standpoint, I absolutely love that fit in Portland, especially playing alongside, hopefully a healthy Dame. Um, I think that floor spacing, his ability to really pick up for Dame on the def- defensive end, I think would be huge. And then I think that would really help open up the paint and everything for him to attack closeouts and get in the lane, drive and kick. He's such a better passer than, his numbers suggest um, the shot selection. You can gripe all you want about it, but he was frequently quadruple covered um, the entire season. So yeah, that, that that's my Johnny Davis spiel for now. Um, what, what else in the six to 10 range stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, Johnny's my next deep dive. Um, I'm doing that actually tonight after the NBA games and I was in love with him as much as you were almost before and i'm I'm sure i'm gonna watch him and be like yep I'm, I'm back like full full speed ahead um you know for everyone doubting the offense you know watch what demar Derozan did last night and then talk to me about johnny davis you know like that's that's a a stone cold killer in the mid-range and, and i think johnny could be that same way his defense also would be fantastic addition for yeah. portland like that would be great dame would be yeah. oh my gosh this is awesome um you know what really stood out to me is uh New Orleans at eight. I, I I really liked both of our directions we went. Um, the Keegan pick from you is one that I didn't, I've never thought of. But that idea of him fitting there. Now, I know they have Zion and everyone's saying like they have Zion Williams. Okay, well, right. you know, I don't want to go down that path yet. <laughs> but 
Um, Keegan would be a hell of a get for New Orleans. I mean, especially this team you're seeing. If you all of a sudden added Keegan Murray to that mix, whoo, um, yeah, that'd be nice. I, I, I mean, I had bathroom there. Um, I just thought, you know, that's gonna be a big pick for mm-hmm. them, um, especially with what you're seeing now. Like they're they're gonna get they gotta get someone. And they're yeah. going to have a really good chance to get a hell of a basketball player that's going to help that team push the needle. Now, I, I'd love Matherin there just because he's a little nasty. He's a little fired up. He'd probably fit in well. Um, Herb Jones would guard him every day in practice, so Matherin would turn into a first-team All-NBA player. Um, but I like that one. But, but Keegan there was really interesting. Um, Sacramento at seven. I, I, I just got right. there, and I was like, they could go so many ways. Yeah. Um, I know I have sharp falling in them and, and some people might be like, well, is he really going to fall there? But I could see Sacramento being like, Hey, we'll take it. We'll, we'll, we're yeah. got a long way to go. We'll take that swing. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think about Sacramento? Like, let's shine some light. Our boy, Nick, if hopefully he's listening, but I feel like we haven't discussed them enough and I want to give some Kings fans some hope because I think oh. they're going to be in a good spot. No, I think they're going to be in a good spot in this draft. Metcalf. I, I'm, I'm a bigger Monty McNair fan than some might think. I think he's done some in his first two drafts. He left with Davion Mitchell and, and mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton, of course, which everyone's gonna be like, well, he just traded him. It's like, yeah, he traded him for Sabonis. Um, and Mitchell looks like he's going to be a stud next year. I still feel weird about De'Aaron Fox. I'm trying to figure out if he's going to get traded this off season. McNair has got to have a plan, but yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. I, the, the, the Kings one is, Definitely where I kind of struggled with the most. Um, I would contemplated Murray. I thought about Duran. Um, but then it's like, God, there's a lot of just awkward positional overlap that I don't see fitting super well. And like the discrepancy between those two guys and like AJ Griffin in terms of best player available isn't super vast for me. So, you know, when that's the case, when I go through these, it's like, okay, is there a huge gap in who I view as best player available? It's like, no, like these are minuscule. And okay, now now we go on to fit and system and scheme and what, all that kind of stuff. So that's where I thought AJ Griffin's just off-ball shooting um, and off-ball scoring and you know potential superstar upside like a lot of people think he has would fit in really nicely next to Sabonis and Fox and you know the, the rest of the guys on that roster. So I, I, I think it's an infusion of a known elite skill with his shooting and with still that, you know, awesome potential that we aren't fully sure of yet. So that that's kind of where I went with him because yes, they want to win now, obviously, because they've haven't made the playoffs in eons, but you know, they still need to be taking these swings to get that best player available and really build up that young core and stop trying to take shortcuts because, for some of the big market teams, you can take those shortcuts and, you know, skip your way to the front of the line. But with teams like, you know, Minnesota and Oklahoma city and Sacramento, you can't do that. And you have to be patient and build, which is, you know, part of the reason why I really hated that Halliburton trade when it happened, but that that was kind of my thought process there. Um, but we'll, you know, while, while we're on AJ, it seems like he's kind of fallen a bit for both of us where his last time we were doing this, we were talking about him potentially going four or five. Yeah. And now we both have him in the back half of the lottery. So 
why why has he fallen all the way to 10 for you aj's aj's puzzling me a bit um i did my deep dive on him and i it, it was a weird feeling after cuz i was like he confirmed everything i thought and, but I didn't see like more and, and, and I will go out and I've, I've been pretty vocal with everyone at no ceilings. Like I, I still think AJ has way more offensive yes. versatility than he was able to show at, at Duke. I think he's one of the shiftiest on ball, like ISO create. I think he has some serious isolation upside. Like I think he, he is so damn elusive and, and quick with his hesitations and, and he can get places he wants. I think, there's a chance he just blossoms at the NBA. Now, the defense has kind of gotten me all over the place. Um, that's that's definitely something where I, I finished my deep dive and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch this even closer and, and dive even deeper on those guys because then you really got to get a feel. I, I don't know if it was – I've just been watching so many damn guys, so I'm trying to like <laughs> remember. I feel like it was his off ball that was kind of had me a little bit worried. I also yeah, he, feel like he got back cut. A ton. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just, I, you know, I think that was a symptom of poor positioning on his part a lot. Yeah, but a lot of the wings on Duke, you know, got back cut a ton. Uh, go watch yeah. that my that first Miami Duke matchup where Warnberg just threaded that or just dissected them um, to passing from the top of the key. So I, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It, it was tough because it happened a lot, but yeah. I, I do think some of that is how Duke asks their wings to play and like really pressure guys out on the perimeter. But it, it was weird and something I, I did not love. I it's I completely agree with you. It happens so often that you get to like the fifth one and you're like rewinding it. Cause you're like, is this what are they playing? Right. on purpose to send the guys because like I even watch Paulo sometimes and I'm convinced like they were, they were trying to funnel guys to Mark Williams at, at yes. some points. Cause it was just so obvious. Cause I was like, he's not trying to get in front of him. He's just letting him like, he's doing like the Ole with the hands out. Like, yeah, go mm-hmm. to Mark Williams. He's going to block it. So I don't know. And I watched AJ and I, I was more intrigued with his playmaking. I just think, you know, when you look at the board, I feel like this is one of those guys where everyone else might start creeping up and he might just not be moving anywhere. He might just be kind of staying still. So you're like, I had him at like six at one point and now I'm starting to get more intrigued with like guys behind him. You throw shade and sharp into the mix now. And it's like, you know, I still like AJ, but all of a sudden now you might have him at nine and you're like, okay, well I could see him going higher, but you know, I don't know. So what about you? Are, are you kind of in that boat? Are you still staying strong up there? I really like him. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I've watched most of the top 10 guys. Like I'm almost, I got like two more. I got Johnny. Um, who else do I have? I have Johnny and, uh, oh, Jabari is my next one um, after Johnny. And I, that was the one guy I didn't like, okay, I'm jumping all in. I was like, it's oh. like, yeah. dang it. And maybe I got to watch him again. That, that happens a lot. Yeah, and so in my overall rankings, I have him at like nine right mm-hmm. now, I believe. Um, and I, 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 do too, I, I, I fully yes. buy the shooting. Um, and That's I know it. people, I know some people are worried about the fact that he looks like he's riding a horse um, with how wide his stance is. I, I don't really care about that. Is I, I, I can tolerate funky mechanics as long as it goes in. And when you have that big of a volume of success, 
you know, it's like, okay, whatever it works for you. So I'm, I'm not going to rip it apart or break it or try to fix it. If it's not broke, um, the, the defense really concerned me and I'm trying to kind of hi- or ride, ride the line of buying in on the unknown and getting overly excited of, Oh, but like, look at these two flashes in this game where he showed this awesome on ball creation versus the pessimism of, Oh, he didn't show it at all this year. So it's really trying to figure out how much of an influence did his situation and role at Duke have on him as a player this year? Because I think it was their first matchup against Wake Forest. I I've mentioned this a ton with him, but that I think it was when coach K was out with illness and Shire was, uh, I think that was his first full-time coaching game. And AJ was allowed to go to work on ball. And he had this nasty, you know, attack close out out of the corner, two dribbles to the middle, spin, step back to the corner. And he covered like eight, six, seven feet of ground in, you know, a blink of an eye. It's like, holy hell, where did that come from? And why haven't you shown me this before? And why aren't you showing me this after? So it's like, it, it, it I know we always get so excited about the what could be or the, you know, unknown. And we see that with Shaden Sharp. We see that with AJ Griffin. And then once guys show us that they can't do something, but can still do other stuff really well, like a Keegan Murray or Johnny Davis or Patrick Baldwin Jr. Then we're like, eh, okay, it's boring. I kind of have a better idea of who this is. So that that's where I'm at with him. And I get the upside. I just, I feel like there's less superstar potential there than I did earlier in the year. Yeah. I I mean, the Wake Forest game you're talking about, it looked like a whole different human being on the court. It was just like he had, he had extra juice in his legs. So that one really jumped at me. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, The fact that he's not going to be 19 until after summer league also still just like is a really important reminder. Like you need to remember that. Like, okay, he's going to be damn young. I'm like you. I, I still think he could be damn good, like really good. Um, if someone got him around nine or ten, I think he'd be pumped up. And um, but I'm just still like I, I think some other guys. I'm 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 leaning up now. This is the part of the year where you start circling back after you do your first dive, and it's not like I can't get back on AJ. You know mania it's not like i won't buy real estate on that island again so. it's not like we're out on him no either. no no i'm not out at all i just think like earlier in the year i was like man he might go top five and now i'm like yeah. okay that might be a little rich i, I might be more towards like seven to ten now mm-hmm. so it's like yeah i'm still very high on him all right let's move on to the next chunk here with the 11th pick the new york knicks i had them taking malachi branham you and dyson daniels at 12 the oklahoma city thunder we both had them taking our boy mark williams at 13 the hornets i went with matherin you went with branham at 14 the cavaliers i went with Igbaji, as did you and at 15 the hornets this is where i cheated a little and went away from what i would do towards a potential what would they do and i went with walker kessler and you went with jeremy suhan um so in this 11 to 15 range what what jumped off the page for you so the moment you get out of the lottery you cheated yeah exactly i mean that's bullshit i i I just (laughs) i just took the rules and threw them out the window um 
you know, uh, New York at 11, I love your Branham call. Um, I, I'm drunk on him. I'm, I'm pushing very, him real hard. I'm very drunk on him. I think Knicks fans, if everyone's listening, that's the name you should. You probably are all drunk on Dyson Daniels and you're looking for another bar to go to. You should go to the Brandon bar. That one, that one's open two hours later. Um, I think I actually, when I saw you put that, I said, Oh, Metcalf, I like what you're cooking there. I was like, that, that's a good one. Cause that dude would be perfect for New York. I mean, that's a, they need a bucket getter that can score multiple levels. He, he can do that. He's a tough shot maker. So like, yeah. if they're struggling to create space, he can get buckets still. And this sky's the limit. Now, I think Knicks fans from like how I've been feeling lately, everyone's like foaming at the mouth for Dyson Daniels. So that's obviously why I gave them Dyson Daniels. I'd love that would fit, especially like if he's mm-hmm. um, going to he, just, I love what I saw from Dyson Daniels. I mean, the, the improvements throughout the year, he was doing it all over the court. He was rebounding. He's attacking glass. He's, he's having tip dunks. He looks like he's got playmaking ability. I think there's a chance he doesn't even last till 10. Um, and that could be the curveball, but Branham at 11 would be realistic. I think people are probably saying no way. And it's like, no, that's going to happen. He's going to get hot. I, I, I'm convinced that's going to be the name that starts heating up. And uh, I really like that pick Metcalf. I was like, damn, that's a, that was a good pick. Metcalf better than me. <laughs> um, I love that. We went Mark Williams to OKC. I, I yeah. really did love that. I mean, because that's why everyone, Thunder fans might think I'm crazy because I did Keegan at four. But what if they left the lottery with Keegan Murray and Mark Williams? Like, woo, let's go, OKC. Like, Thunder up. I would just love that. I think that would be two smart front court guys that pair beautifully with the backcourt. So, um, I love it. Um, What about you? you, I I loved my Brandon to the Hornets. That was my wild card. And then when I saw you did him at 11, I was like, damn it, Metcalf, you're, you're <laughs> even more aggressive than I am. But I sort yeah. of, and I loved Matherin. Um, if he was there to Hornets, I thought that would have been like a slam dunk if they got him. But um, yeah, I was intrigued by that. And then I'll have one more, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I, I, Matherin falling to the to 13, it, it felt wrong because I, I have him ranked higher than that. I think he's yes. at eight. It doesn't matter, but in that eight to 10 range. Um, but just kind of the way the board was falling, it's like, okay, like, like he has to go. Um, but like that just hit his athleticism, that shooting the off ball scoring, I think would fit really nicely. Just the athleticism of him and bridges on the wing, I think would be a lot of fun. Um, the, the way we picked for them doesn't shine a real positive light on James, James book Knight's future there, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love book night. I had him so high on my board, mm-hmm. but if you're Charlotte, you can't, you can't just not pick a, the best player available because of a right. rookie from last year. You're still in a position where it's it like double down. Off. Yeah. Double down. If book night hits the stride next year and you got one of those guys too, it's like, cool. You have, you have two horses now ready to roll. Um, so I get what your point, I get what you're saying. Cause I even had like, as going through this mock, I started getting the picks and I was like, eh. and then I looked at teams rosters. I was looking at like, what's their free agents next year. And we'll get to that later. But, um, we got to talk about the 15th pick. I, it, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I didn't know where you're going. Um, 
15 is interesting because <laughs> Charlotte now is in a spot with two picks. So I was like, oh, right. what's, what's the combo I want them leaving with? And I debated a bunch of guys at 15. You went Walker Kessler and I went Sohan. And I struggled with Sohan because I, I, got, I got to 13 and I started having him in the back of my mind. Um, why Kessler? So, you know, I, it feels like every mock draft we've done, we've sent Mark Williams there. Yeah. And from a fit standpoint, from a need, from a talent, it all made sense. Um, but you know, we, we both wisened up and had Mark Williams go even earlier because he's a fucking stud. Sorry, yes. kids. Um, not, sorry. but I, I, <laughs> I, I'm so convinced that Charlotte isn't, is leaving this draft with a rim protector because they desperately need a center. And Walker Kessler statistically was the best shot blocker in since 2008, according to Bartorovic. Um, that combined with the UNC ties with Charlotte's front office and Kessler. Um, yes, I know he left there, but what he declared it and whatever. Um, so I don't think there's necessarily bad blood. It would, it's a reach. I wouldn't do it. I'm a lot lower on Kessler than 15th overall, but from a need standpoint and who they had there and so, you know, trying to envision one of these guys to actually get minutes in their first year, he was kind of the only one that I saw filling a glaring hole in what they need. I'm going to give Hornets fans a little prize. I'm going to take them through my exact thought process and, and talk about the options if they had it here. So I went with Sohan. I, I thought about him too. Um, I liked it just because I think that's a, a need and an upside swing at the same time. I, I love, I'm still a PJ Washington believer. Yep. Um, I just think Sohan, like teams need, Sohan to get to the next step. They need the defensive nasty guy that doesn't need a lot of offensive force feeding. Like, and he would just be that, that mentality, that tough piece that, that that could help them take the next step, like a great rotation asset. I thought EJ Liddell here, um, Mm. because I went to the same point as you. I was like, they need a rim protector, but I don't like any of the bigs at 15. Yeah. Um, I thought Walker would have been way too rich for me at 15. It didn't feel good. No. And, and EJ, I was like, maybe they figure out something free agency where they get like a, a plug gap center. And then EJ's kind of like their floor spacing athletic four that can rim protect a little. I don't know. I didn't love that. I thought about Tari Easton there. Um, it's an odd spot. It, it really yeah. is. Um, they, they would need the board to fall pretty well for that second pick. Um, and it's for, for, for me, it's right in that spot where it kind of gets ugly. Um, yeah, that's the range from like best player available on my board. Jeremy Suhan was still by far, but you know, it's just, it was just a clunky spot in the draft and, you know, going off of pure talent or need and 
you know, all we ever hear about the Hornets is how much they need a center and how much they need a rim protector. So that was the that was the the one and only time I promise in the in this draft where I was like, you know, screw it, I'm I'm breaking the rule. I'm going with a wild card. You know what I think could potentially happen over what I would do. Can I throw a, a stupid question out before we go Always. to the next five? So let's say at, at 13, they got a dream. They had, they got Branham or, or Mathrin. They got one of those guys. You know what name I, I came up in my head and I kept staring at it at 15 for them as like their second kicker. Um, and you could tell me I'm, I'm stupid because I always welcome that. What if they took Patrick Baldwin? Hmm. And I, I don't hate it because I, I we're we're both still much higher on him than consensus. Um, I'm just thinking uh, of him and Lamelo. I'm thinking of Lamelo being like, "Run the damn floor, and I'm going to hit you for threes left and right." And yeah, I'm like just Branham or Mathram with like their cut. I don't know. I just it was one of those wild cards where I was like, if they didn't go center here, where would they go? Because I just didn't like any of the centers. I was like, I, I wouldn't no. take any of the centers at 15. I would. Try to trade back if if I had to. Yes. Um, and then I was like, "What about is Baldwin a worthy ro- roll of the dice as your your kicker? Like if you if you hit gold with your twelfth or your thirteenth pick, and you're like, all right, who's the roll? Who who's the upside swing? And it's like, okay, if Baldwin hit too, and you had Baldwin with Lamelo, I'd be like, oh, that'd be a really fun connection. But that's my that's my crazy question, Metcalf. Yeah, my my only hesitation is I don't know how quickly Baldwin is going to contribute. I think eventually right. he does, but this is a team that's gotten smoked in the play-in two years in a row, um, and I think they're kind of sick of that and are looking to kind of just make that step up and actually make the real playoffs. And I don't think Baldwin helps them do that um, in you know at least his first couple of years. Yeah. All right, 16 through 20, the Atlanta Hawks at 16. I had them taking Jeremy Suhan. You went Patrick Baldwin Jr. At 17, the Houston Rockets. I had Paul Patrick Baldwin Jr. You had Kendall Brown. The Chicago Bulls at 18. We both had EJ Liddell. At 19, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm so proud of you for not giving them some inefficient chucking guard. We both Stop went Tari Eason. I almost and, did it to piss you off. <laughs> I was half expecting it. And at 20, the Spurs, I went with Max Christie, which is I know is way too rich for 99% of the people on the face of the earth. And you went with Jaden Hardy. So in this grouping, is there anywhere you struggled? Is there any pick that you got really excited about? Yeah, the first thing I'm struggling with, is it Sohan or Suhan? I've heard all year that it was Suhan, um, but... Some I, I don't know. Guys, I watch as much film as anyone, but I just keep I have like a uh I'm a head case with uh Sohan and dang it, I'm gonna make myself a fool again. Is it, it's Malachi Branham. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I keep getting <laughs> I keep thinking it's Malachi Branham, and I'm like No oh, I God. stare at it every time. I know, I'm telling you. I'm a I'm a basket case. I watch more film than anyone in the world, basically, and I, I hear the names all the time and I just still fuck up. Um Atlanta at 16, I liked both of our picks. I, I, Sohan could be Sohan. I, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I think could be a really good pick for Atlanta. 
the EJ to Chicago thing would be it just really, makes really too much fun. sense. It I really wanted to find a way to get him to Minnesota, but in the in the spirit of doing this correctly, you you, you can't you can't forge it. You, you, you know, so I wanted it too, and I was like, no, I can't. That also could be Minnesota being like, we're trading up because we have to get in front of Chicago. Um, I did like the Tari Easton to Minnesota. I, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked we both did that because I was just kind of like, that actually might be where I've talked about it before. I was like, that might be where Tari is perfect to, to grin. Especially if that um, shooting is legit. Yeah. And, and playing alongside like Towns, if he ever got minutes to, consistently in that, where it's like Tari could attack and get downhill in a hurry with town spacing Edwards out there. Like that's a, that's a fun fit. That, that would be really nice. I liked that. Um, San Antonio at 20. That was, that was interesting. I don't know where they would go. Um, yeah, I kind of struggled with this one. I mean, we had him taking Duran together at nine. Um, I still feel like even if they took Duran at nine, like, and obviously we've been mocking Duran there for two months for, and it's not going to yeah. happen. They're going to take EJ Liddell or some shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I, I thought Hardy was, I know how many guards they have, like for every Spurs fan listening, like, I know how many guards they have. I know how many wings they have, but they're also in a spot where if they have three picks, you're going to have to swing regardless of position. Um, and I think Hardy would be a worthy swing, especially for the Spurs. Cause there's just too much damn upside. And I think if you had Duran and Hardy from your first two picks, you'd be pretty pumped on, on life. Um, I'd probably like his fit with some later teams a little bit better. Um, I could still see Hardy going earlier because I think someone's going to be believing it. And I understand your pick about Max Christie. I'm just trying to figure out what direction they would go in um, there because I feel EJ Liddell would be like a dream spur. I don't think he's making it to to 20. So maybe they try to package and go up to get, you know, leave the draft with Duran and Liddell or some combination like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Metcalf. I also could see them being crazy and being like, well, give us Brian Rollins there and just being like, we don't care how early it is. We just took Josh, but they took Primo last year too. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm all puzzled. What about you? Do you think there's anyone that could come into that conversation that you didn't even have picked? Like I went with Kendall Brown. I threw in there and I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I know. So I, 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 I thought about Rollins. I thought about Gabriel Perchita. Um, you know, I, Thought about Caleb Houston, who I have them taking later, and we'll get to. Um, you know, obviously, Jovic, I think, could, yeah. could go there given his shooting, his passing, how everyone loves to just send every foreign player to San Antonio. Um, yeah, I but try yeah, to stay and, away from that. <laughs> them having three first rounders just really threw me off because I'm just not used to that. And they haven't had a super consistent you know, history of who they're going to take. And as we saw last year, they're going to take whoever they, the hell they want and whoever they fall in love with and whoever they think is the best for that organization in the long run. They're not looking to make short-term, you know, 
improvements on the fringes necessarily. They're looking big picture. And that's that's personally why I went Christie. I think Hardy there makes a lot of sense because I don't think either of those guys are going to be positive contributors for the first couple years. But if they're developed properly, if things hit, you know, obviously stuff has to go right for every prospect. But if it does with those guys, then I think they have, you know, with either of those, they have legitimate pieces in the long run. Yeah, I mean, San Antonio is just going to say we don't care we're going to take whatever position or guy we believe that could yeah. turn the momentum of this team. Um, like we have them taking Duran at nine. I, I wouldn't be surprised if San Antonio said, we don't care. We're taking Dyson Daniels. Like we love yeah. him. We God, hit, hit him and Dejounte. Well, that's what I'm saying. Court. Like that's the, that's what the, the Spurs the do. Sal on the wing. Oh, yeah. God. That's what the Spurs will do. They will be like, we don't care. We're going to take him. Or they would say, um, they would jump over Branham. They would do something like that where we're just like all saying, oh, they're going to, they need a big, they're going to take him. This person could be like, oh, really? Bet. And they're going to take one of the guards and be like, we don't care if we have. Well, then if they, guys. if they did that and then even took like Coloco with that's one of what their, it, that's the, in the end of the first, I, I would love that. I, yes. I think that does everything they need. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, n- new assignment for us. We're, we're now banned from mocking Duran to the Spurs and we have to well, get a little more creative with it. That's why I wanted to do this because now, now our gears are turning because I'm like, okay, where, where could they go if they did it take Duran? And because you have three first, you could, you could take Daniels up there. Yeah. Or where say that San Antonio moved up somehow or a little bit, or I don't know. I hate how like when it gets to the lottery night, it's like, you can either move up to the top three or you're not moving. It's like, what? This is the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. Um, but I'm, I'm like you, like maybe they take Daniels up there. Cause they're like, we rather have the upside of Dyson Daniels with the defensive potential. And maybe they're like, he's big enough where we're going to play some chaotic lineup where he's like a, a, one of the wings or something. And then you take Coloco later and, and then maybe you get um, Kendall Brown or, or someone like that. Jovich or, or another wing where you're adding mm-hmm. that. I don't know. I, I'm just speaking out loud. Cause that was, the, that was the big one. When I got to the when I was doing the mock exercise, I got to San Antonio at 20 and I was like, man, I'm, this hurts. I was like, well, yeah. I don't know where they would go. Um, and that's why I went Hardy. Cause I still just believe like Hardy's going to get drafted lower than he deserves. But um, I don't know. That's all yeah. I got. All right. Uh, Moving on to 21 through 25. At 21, the Denver Nuggets, I had them taking Jaden Hardy. You went with Ty Ty Washington. At 22, the Grizzlies, I had taking Prochita. You went with Bochamp. At 23, the Nets, I had them taking Coloco. You went with Wendell Moore. At 24, the Milwaukee Bucks, I had taking Ty Ty Washington. You went with Kennedy Chandler. At 25, the Spurs, uh, like I said, I had them taking Caleb Houston. And you went with Usman Jang. Um, I hated this range, Metcalf. I uh, yeah, I, I really this, hated it. This by far took me the most amount of time. Yeah, and yeah. I hated every pick I came up with. Essentially, I I think I changed three picks, mo- like more than four times. Um, yeah. I don't love my tie tie to the Nuggets. I would love Hardy there. I thought that was a great pick by you. That would be if Bones and Highland. Bones and Highland. If Bones and Hardy <laughs> click together, that would be Electric City in uh, Denver. 
So I, I, I'd like that. That would be a really good fit. And Denver will jump all over that value. Um, I took Ty Ty because I was just looking and I was like, I could see them going another different ways. And I was like, I, I feel like if they added another backcourt guy coming off the rotation, maybe Bones is getting a little bit more run next year. And then Ty Ty is kind of like a change of pace guy. I was like, that, that makes some sense. That could be good value where they jump all over it. So I didn't love it, but that's where I went. Um, I, you know, I liked your Coloco to the Nets. Um, yeah, that, that that was the one I wanted to touch on. Um, what? What was your reasoning for Wendell Moore? Um, I'm among the no ceilings crew. I, I think I'm by far the lowest on him. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's not personal thing with him. No. Yeah. I get you. It's, I, I don't see the fit or what he kind of adds as you're thinking there that he's, that he's kind of like an upgrade in that Bruce Brown role, or is it just, this is a guy with it experience who's shown improvement who can do a little bit of a bunch of things and can just kind of do whatever they ask him to in this rotation yeah i think you're hoping he's almost like a a wing version of bruce brown where you're just like go guard multiple positions and kind of be like a a nice asset off the bench because he can just do a lot of stuff on the court and i think brooklyn needs guys like that where it's like we need you to impact the game in a number of ways, like off the bench. Um, that's why Bruce Brown's so valuable to them. Cause he can just do a bit of everything. Um, and there, that's just an interesting pick too. Like I, I've always thought like Bochamp would be a good fit there. Um, but in this exercise, I had him going right before that pick. Yeah. It's a weird pick. Um, I liked your your thought of Coloco um, because I still feel like they just need to find like a, a solid big rotation. Um, you know, I liked Dayron Sharp the pick last year, um, but I don't think when you're when you're trying to find a guy like that, I don't think you can just get married to like someone like that. If you if you think you can find more upside on someone, go for it. Claxton, I still think has got a, a good ceiling. Oh yeah, um, Coloco would be good there. Because I've I've always said I think if Coloco goes to a team where he could be a, off the bench early in his career, like he could blossom, he could be a real thing. Just kind of get the feet wet. So I don't know. I, I, I um, that's another one that I, I was just kind of funky with because Brooklyn, I I changed my mind a couple times. Um, I think I even toyed with like maybe Justin Lewis there. Cause I was like, maybe they could get a little bit more physical nastiness inside with some floor spacing. Um, I don't know. That's a weird one, Metcalf. I, I don't yeah. know where Brooklyn would go. Um, what about you? Yeah. And they, they're tricky cause we, they're just a team in flux right now and we don't really know what they have. I went with Coloco because I think he's just, that steady defensive anchor who's the lowest of low maintenance on offense. Um, you know, if, if you bring in a center who's used to getting a bunch of touches on the block, they're going to be sorely disappointed and miserable with Brooklyn because it's just not going to happen. But having that kind of defensive anchor for them, I think would do wonders for their defense, which is proving not to defend anyone. Um, it would get them to hopefully stop doing these Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, experiments that you know work for a couple weeks in the regular season and then pitter out pretty pitifully um so yeah and i I just think his defense alone is one of the most 
I thought he was one of the most impressive all-around defenders um, at the center position in the country this year. And that his ability to run in transition, the way he gets those early seals in transition, I, I think it would just be a, a pretty seamless fit and a nice kind of change of pace and even potential pairing along with uh, Nick Claxton for a few minutes here and there. Um, in this grouping, though, I, I was really interested that we both went with a point guard for Milwaukee, where I went with Ty Ty, you went with Kennedy. Did you kind of debate any other um, position for them, or what, why, why did you land on Chandler? Milwaukee, I keep, like, as the time goes on, I keep feeling like they're going to take a point guard, but that's one of those where, like, I think that, and then they won't do it at all. They'll take a completely <laughs> different position. I don't know. I, I think Milwaukee will be in a spot where they could go a di- number of different directions where, like, um, you know, a, a, a Christian Brown can make sense in there mm-hmm. um, to me. Um, I, I just think they sort of need to get, like, a – a change of pace guy off the bench. And I think Kennedy could be a real good, like change of pace where you play him with that length. You can maybe hide him a little bit and he's pesky defensively. He'd be great with like coming right behind drew holiday. Um, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of Ty Ty falling to them. I thought that was a great pick from you. Um, I just had a thought still about Brooklyn and I forgot. Oh, you know, who? just going back to Brooklyn, you know who else mm-hmm. I thought, I had a weird like Bryce McGowan's hot take mm-hmm. and then Trevor Keels was the only other one, but I got away with that. I was just thinking like, Oh, maybe they need a nasty defender. They can groom off the bench, but I'm also still like, what's going on with Cam Thomas? Are we just, you know, yeah, and the, the, the Cam Thomas, Bryce McGowan's one-on-ones in practice would be pretty electric. Um, yeah. Not- I try to go see those. <laughs> All right, let's round out the first round here with 26 through 30. So at 26, the Mavericks, I had them taking Ryan Rollins. You went with Jovich. At 27, the Miami Heat, I went with Peyton Watson. You went with Justin Lewis. At 28, the Warriors, uh, I went Kendall Brown. You went Coloco. At 29, the Grizzlies, I went Jovich. You went Rollins. At 30, I went McGowan's. You went with Prochita. Um, Where do you want to start with those? Um, I felt like I was in detention reading our 25 through 30 when we got to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it so Mavericks well, taking Rollins. Talk to me. Cause I love Rollins, but I, yeah. I'm trying to figure out the fit. Um, so and you, you and Corey just did a, a really good breakdown of him over on the draft deck podcast. And I, I'm, Rollins is a guy who continues to grow on me. And when I keep looking back at my notes on him, the the biggest issues with him on offense are the outside shooting, but I don't distrust his shot. So it's like, okay, so am I just purely looking at the result on that? Because his form from the mid range and from three is the exact same. It just didn't always go in from three. And I really like his mechanics and I think they're legit both off the catch, off the dribble. Um, so it's like, okay, I think this was just a rough year. And I really fully buy into that shooting improvement. I think he's a good passer. I think he has legitimate kind of on-ball creation potentially, which won't have to be rushed playing in Dallas, whether Jalen Brunson's there or not. But alongside Luca, it'd be a nice little 
respite for Luca when he's when Rollins is on the ball. Um, I think the shooting's legit. I like him a lot as an on-ball defender. The off-ball defense needs some work, um, but just that overall two-way package of scoring, ball handling, passing, and on-ball defense. I, I think kind of fits in nicely and gives them a little more flexibility on the wing. That's not just Tim Hardaway jr. Or Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah. I think they need, um, you know, who knows what happens with Brunson. I, I think they'll definitely need like a smart guy that can space the floor. Um, now I just took Jovich and I'm not saying like, Oh, I just took Jovich cause it's the Mavericks and Euros. I took Jovich cause it's like, if he's on the board and Dallas has a pick, they probably will jump all over that. Cause it's just, that's the type of guy they want with, if you got Jovich and his upside at 26, like he, you gotta, you gotta jump all over that. And, and Dallas has a good international um, scouting department. So I'm sure if, if they took him, they'd believe in him. Um, Dallas is another interesting one, like San Antonio. I, I could see Dallas going a number of different ways. Um, I feel like we've done a mock before of like Walker Kessler going there. Not that sold on that. Um, I still think they need to get him some more, Lucas, some more shooting. So um, I liked your Rollins pick. I was like, hell yeah, Metcalf. Cause I, I could see Rollins heating up. I could see, mm-hmm. I could see him going to Milwaukee. I, I could see him get yeah. picks earlier. And um, I, I thought about him at like 20 to San Antonio. Yeah. So I, he, what happens with him on draft night, I think is going to be just really fascinating. Um, at 28, the Warriors, I contemplated Kamigate. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of surges up into the first, but then I was like, okay, is that giving up too early or, you know, not necessarily giving up, but is that, pushing James Wiseman's minutes too far down or does Kamigate or does a center there even get a chance? Because I, I think I'd be surprised if they ever really move off Kevon Looney anytime soon, because he just does whatever they ask him to on a nightly basis. So why, why did you go with Coloco there to the Warriors? Um, I, I think I still am believing that Coloco, if he went to the right team and was a rotation guy, I said this earlier with Brooklyn, I was like, I, I think he could be a, a diamond in the rough. And I'm still a big Wiseman believer. I know everyone's like, well, he got hurt this year. And I'm like, well, it's fine. Um, it happens. I, I think they're playing the long haul game. They're playing it smart where they're like, he looked fantastic returning. He had a little bit of setback and they're like, just shut him down. We, we, we got big plans for his future. Just shut him down. We don't care if we miss him this year. Um, so I'm still a Wiseman believer. If you draft Coloco, that's a nice two-headed monster um, with the defensive potential. They can kind of do a little bit similar things where running the floor, being a, a rim protector. Um, I know Looney does some really good stuff for them, so we'll see. Maybe Coloco is like, you know, end of the roster guy or something. But, you know, I, I actually um, – I had a wild card there, and I, and I took him out. But I think this is – a name that could be up there. I think he's going to get in the first round. I had Jalen Williams going there. Mm. Um, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams. Um, I I think he's going to rise um, because I've just watched him too much. And, and I think that's the guy that playoff teams, like that's, that's the type of asset you want. I know they have Jordan Poole, um, but I think Williams is just, good sized wing that can score from multiple levels and really, really smooth. Um, he's six, six. So maybe they're just like, Hey, we got Jalen Williams and pool and Moody and 
you know, Kaminga, Grooman, and then we have Steph Clay, like hopefully Wiseman's healthy. Maybe they're just like, just let's just add some, some, some dogs, some really good players to the mix. Now I took them out because I was like, would that work with Jordan Poole and all that stuff? Like I was just thinking, but I also think Golden State will be in a position where they're like, hey, just get us another piece. Let's get us another smart guy. Um, I still won't ever give up on the, the curveball of Jordan Hall somehow going there because they'll just be like, oh, this is Livingston again. But um, I'm trying to think of who. What, let's talk about Miami real quick before we mm-hmm. get off because I know the game's starting soon um, and, and you're you're pacing on the room. No, you're good. I loved your Peyton Watson pick. Yeah, it's a little surprised that you didn't have him in your first at all. Yeah, I was going to do him uh, at 30 and maybe at 29. And then at 29, I was like, I don't want to see Peyton Watson go to a place with a bunch of Peyton Watson clones. Or just turn into Jared Culver. Stop. I need everyone to let Jared Culver breathe a little bit. I feel like I've heard Jared Culver jokes for the last two weeks. I want Jared um, Culver to be good for the record. I, I I love Jared Culver. By all accounts, he's a tremendous human being. This it was, but when you look at Peyton Watson and Jared Culver, I think they're kind of eerily similar. Which no, because one little bit. one might be a freak of nature defender, and I don't think the other one was ever gonna be. Oh, I, I was higher on his defense than you were. Culver's? I was high on him yeah. as a defender. I, um, yeah. But but uh, agreed. I, I definitely think Watson's defensive potential is significantly higher, but I also think that that is kind of underselling Culver. But sorry, I... I no, I just love him going to... I love him going to... turn off the tracks. No, it's fine. Um, I love him going to Miami. I think that'd be a great place to let him blossom. He ain't going to be playing anytime soon. Just let him blossom. Um, He'll be in the right environment. Um, I just still love Justin Lewis there. I can't get that idea out of my head. I think, I think if Justin Lewis went to the heat, that would be just like the best. I I think they'll figure out his defense. He has already the offensive upside. If he becomes a good defender, my goodness, that would be a a heck of a piece. So um, yeah, I loved your Ryan Rollins, the Grizzlies. and, And you know, you're, you're uh McGowan's at 30 to OKC. Was, I was not expecting that one, but I kind of liked it. I, I, I just think that he has some of the highest on-ball scoring upside in this class. Um, obviously, a lot of things need to go right. The shot selection needs to be completely revamped, um, and the outside shooting needs to start clicking. But if you know if a team's patient with him, if he has that work ethic, um, a, a Jordan Poole-esque emergence a few years from now wouldn't, you know, stun me. So, and with guys like that at the, you know, end of the first round where you get them on a guaranteed contract, but you're not super leveraged by having them on the roster and on the pay sheet. Um, I, I think those are kind of the, some of like the calculated risks that are really worth taking. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm just looking back at it. Houston Rockets fans would love you. You, you, you let them uh, leave with Chet and Patrick Baldwin. That'd be a pretty fun one. Um, you know, I think Thunder fans would sign in blood right now. If they could, your draft, they could leave with uh Shaden Sharp, Mark Williams and Bryce McGowan's. They'd probably do a backflip. It'd be, it'd be fun. 
I still think that my version of Keegan, Mark Williams, and Cochita <laughs> would be the most electric thing ever. It'd be erotic city. But no, I, I really liked your mock. I thought it was um, – I liked a lot of the fits. I liked a lot of the picks. The Brandon thing at, at 11 still like is going to keep me up at night because it was just so perfect, and I loved it. I, I, I am getting irrationally high on him, um, and I keep thinking about moving him up even higher than where I have him. And I, I just have to like turn the computer off and walk away for a little bit and just rethink about life and cool off. Um, but there is where so do you much. have them? Uh, 12. Um, and I have him. Oh, I haven't the, updated my board, but I will probably have him lottery very easily. Yeah. And the gap between him and, you know, AJ Griffin at nine, Matherin at 10, and, and Baji at 11. Uh, that gap is rapidly closing. I'm going to have him top 11, probably. Yeah. And I'm going to feel pretty good about that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I was blown away watching his film. I, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm in. And, and it wasn't just the scoring. I, I thought he was a very underrated passer. Um, Go check out last week's up, er, article. Yeah, Metcalf did a great Fitness job at NoCeilingsNBA.com. Metcalf did a really good job on breaking that down. I was, it was literally the night after I did his deep dive, and Metcalf did it, and I was like, cool, we saw the same, sh- we saw the same shit. So it's always fun when I have like confirm with someone I trust. So, um, yeah, that's all I got, Metcalf. I, I'm cool. sorry to keep you so long. No. I thought this was great. Yeah, the this was a fun one. Uh, but as always, what was the best thing you saw recently in basketball? Um, I, I'm going to cheat because, you know, I, I don't care. Um, the Celtic game yesterday was unbelievable. I, I can't believe they won. I, I've said it yeah. 400 times. Marcus Smart walking in with the custom defensive player of the year robe and then going out and just bringing the heat defensively. I don't care about stats. If everyone's going to be like, who's shoot their opponents are shooting 40 something percent. I'm like, I don't care. I watch. I've been watching him guard Kyrie and the guy's unbelievable right now. So, um, that was a big win. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll throw one more in there. Um, I'm sorry to my Phoenix Suns faithful, but watching new Orleans go in game two and, and mm-hmm. pull out a win was really damn impressive. And, that team's got a bright future. I'm praying that Zion's going to be healthy because I think New Orleans could skyrocket next year. Um, that team's got something cooking. And shout out to um, David Griffin. I almost said AJ Griffin. Shout out to David Griffin. Um, finding value in the drafts. Finding yeah. guys on two-way contracts. Um, there's value all over the draft. So the good GMs go find it. And, and that's been awesome. What about you, Metcalf? I'm going to give a rare shout out to Doc Rivers. Um, Whoa. And Whoa. Where did this come um, from? <laughs> and it, it, it's very situational um, because the way that Joel Embiid was ending that, I, I, I believe it is overtime. I apologize if I get my, my timeline just mixed up here, but where he, where Precious Achua poked it away and then tried to huck up a one-handed half-court heave but Doc Rivers called a timeout with 0.9 seconds left that led to a ridiculous Embiid buzzer beater. Um, just, it, it's probably lucky, uh, but, you know, we all need a bit of luck to get by sometimes. So uh, just just the, the, the timeliness and the heads-up um, awareness of that timeout yeah. really saved them. So 
Shout out Doc Rivers. Rucker, please tell the people where they can find you, where they can support you. Um, I'm at noceilingsnba.com as always. Thank you guys for all your support. We're really getting pumped about some stuff we're going to come have coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, for everyone listening, Monday, me and Mr. T- Tullaba, Corey, we're going to have a new show out on our uh, YouTube channel. Very excited. It's going to be, yeah, very, very fun. I think people are going to like it a lot. I basically had a shout at Corey back and forth for like 20 minutes. It's, it's going to be hilarious. Probably like 10 minutes, but um, be on the look for that. You guys are going to like it. It's going to be a fun, fun little draft show. That's my hint. Um, but otherwise, I'm at Backcourt V and I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker Metcalf. Good luck tonight. Go get them. I'm sorry that I'm ranting right now. I know the game's about to start, but um, T-Wolves, let's get it done. Let's, let's make Metcalf happy for the weekend. And uh, I love you all. <laughs> No worries. This was a lot of fun. Uh, but once again, I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. Uh, you can find all of our written work on or at noceilingsnba.com where you can subscribe for free and all of our written work gets directly delivered to your inbox for free the second it is published. You have no excuse not to sign up. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba. And like Rucker said, they, we got some really, really, really cool stuff. Uh, coming out on YouTube over at No Ceilings TV. So make sure to go subscribe um, to that as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.